The following has been recorded at Cairn University. Any reproduction of this recording without the express permission of the university is prohibited. It's just been tremendously encouraging all week. So today, we have a story you've probably never heard before. Um, actually, I'm sure you have. The uh, story today, if you look at um, the book of Matthew toward the end, there's uh, a place called Galilee and a place called Jerusalem. And I don't know if you've ever looked or thought about it, but it's uh, about three marathons distant. So the distance from Jerusalem to Galilee, 120 kilometers around there. So it's three marathons. So that's, that's one important fact to keep in your mind behind the story today. The second one is Jesus told his disciples before he died that he was going to die and raise again, and then they should meet him in Galilee. So that's written in the book of Matthew. After he rose from the dead, he also gave them the message, meet me in Galilee. So the story we have today is everything that Matthew recorded about that meeting in Galilee. So that's the story today. All right, so the part you're going to memorize now comes after the prayer, of course. Amen. Yeah, Father, here we are in community. Lifting up our voices and our eyes to you. Believing that your ancient words are true. Believing that there's power in the uniting of your word with your spirit. And that you're willing to speak to us here today. Please protect us from looking at these words as if they were um, academic. Uh, please protect us from looking at this time as if it's a game. Let us look to you with all respect, love and appreciation, and speak to us, your children, in Jesus' name. So the story goes like this. There was the 11 disciples proceeded to Galilee, to the mountain which Jesus had appointed. And when they saw Jesus, they worshipped him. But some of them doubted. And Jesus came to them, and he said to them, All authority in heaven and in earth has been given to me. Therefore, make disciples of all nations, going, baptizing, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching obedience to everything I've commanded you. Look, I am with you always 
even to the end of this age. So that's the whole thing we're going to learn today. That's everything that the book of Matthew tells us about that meeting in Galilee. And it starts with the 11 disciples proceeded. So who's going to volunteer this time? There we go. We got one right in the back. A bold one in the back. The eleven disciples proceeded to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them that he would meet them. And when the disciples saw them, saw Jesus, they worshipped him. But some of them doubted. And Jesus, sorry. And Jesus said to them, "I'm sorry. I've been waiting all the week to do this. I've forgotten everything." Okay, it's fine. Anyway, Jesus said to them. Oh, yeah. Okay. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, going to them, baptizing them in the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them in obedience to everything that I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Oh. oh, that was excellent. Well done. Okay, so how many disciples are involved here? There's 11 disciples. And uh, where do they go? They go to Galilee, where in Galilee? To a mountain, which mountain? The, the one that Jesus appointed. So the 11 disciples proceeded to Galilee to the mountain which Jesus had appointed. And when they were there, who did they see? And when they saw him, how did they respond? They, the same they that saw him also worshiped him. These 11 disciples worshiped Jesus. Now, some of those amongst the 11 had another response. Some of them also doubted. And then what happened? Did Jesus come to them or did they go to Jesus? Jesus came to them at the place that he had appointed. They went to the place Jesus appointed, and Jesus came to the place that he had appointed. So Jesus came to them, and he gave them a fantastic Western-style three-point sermon. <laughs> and the first point in the sermon was? No. All authority where? All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, make. We, come on, guys, we got verbs here. 
Make disciples of all nations. The first point was, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. The second point is, make disciples of all nations. And then there was three sub-points between bullet number, in, in bullet number two. So a proper three-point sermon needs to have three points, and at least one of those points has to have three sub-points. We know that. The first one was, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. The second one was, make disciples of all nations. And within that, there are three verbs for how that's to be done. Go, going. Baptizing how? Baptizing in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teaching what? Teaching obedience. Teaching obedience to what? Teaching obedience to everything which Jesus commanded. You remember that's only the second bullet point. We've still got number three. I am with you always. For how long? Even to the end of the age. So this is Jesus. Now, my question for you guys today is a little more complicated than the other days. Within this message, there is a lot of information about what, it, about what it means to be a disciple and what the experience of being a disciple is. So give me a hand here of digging everything out of here about a disciple. What, what do we know about a disciple? What's that? A follower of Jesus. That's... That's true. So let's, in the story, it starts off with the 11 disciples doing what? Proceeding to the place Jesus appointed, right? So what does that look like? Obedience. Jesus told them what to do, and now they're doing it. I like to say that a disciple is one who listens to Jesus, obeys Jesus, and loves Jesus. That's sort of, that's Randy Sperman's working definition of discipleship. A, a disciple of Jesus is one who listens, obeys, and loves. So in this particular case, these 11 disciples obeyed by going to the place Jesus appointed. What's the next thing they did? They saw him, right? So the disciples obeyed him. The disciples saw him, what's the next thing they did? They worshiped him. So a disciple of Jesus worships him. What's the next thing they did, some of them? Oh, doubt. Is that okay for a disciple? I don't know if Jesus can use a disciple like that. Okay, well, maybe. Maybe, maybe it's possible for a disciple of Jesus to actually doubt. We'll, we'll set that one aside for a second and just focus on the positive. All right. All right, so now from what Jesus told them, what, what else can we see about a disciple? What's that? 
The disciples will make disciples. The disciples will invest in others. The disciples will work in a way that causes other people also to listen to Jesus, love Jesus, and obey Jesus. So the disciples in being disciples will make disciples. What else? Oh, the authority doesn't rest with the disciples. That's uncomfortable. All right, what else can we see about disciples? Disciples worship Jesus. What's that? The disciples are not alone. Where do you see that? Because Jesus is with them always, even to the end of the age. They're not in this alone. What else is knowable about disciples in this story? What's that? They teach others and they baptize in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. A disciple is one who, what did they teach others? So that I have, as I've learned this, I've oftentimes said, teach them all that I've commanded you. Because, but there's something important verb missing. Teaching them to obey all that I've commanded you. I've got a question now. Let's pretend that Jesus didn't say obey for a minute. Let's just, let's pretend that he said, teaching them all that I've commanded you. How could we give an examination for a disciple? You could pick and choose, it would be head knowledge. So would it be possible to take a discipleship exam under that paradigm either in an oral or a written form. Yeah. If, if the command was teaching them all that I've commanded you, a, um, a written exam or an oral exam, just between the two of you, um, would be adequate to determine if somebody had successfully become a disciple. But Jesus didn't say teaching them all I've commanded you. He said, teaching them obedience to all that I've commanded you. How are we going to do an exam on that? What's that? Observation. You'd have to see, are they actually doing the things that Jesus commanded? So to finish the process of discipleship, a person would have to be obeying everything Jesus commanded, right? If you were going to declare yourself as completed with the discipleship process, then you would have to be fully in compliance with everything that Jesus taught, right? Everything Jesus commanded. So... I've still not met that person that has completed the discipleship process. 
Okay, let, let's, these disciples now, that it says the 11 disciples proceeded to the mountain which Jesus appointed in Galilee. So these guys are disciples, right? So they're already disciples and they're proceeding to the mountain and then they get to the mountain and they worship Jesus, but some of them doubted. And then Jesus comes to them And for some reason, he doesn't separate them, right? Could have, Jesus could have separated out the doubters and the non-doubters. So we'll just call this the doubting crowd. And this is the non-doubting crowd. And he could have said, for you guys, I still love you, but there's some remedial training that needs to happen. And so you guys hold on. I have instructions specifically for the non-doubters. I'll get back to you. Now, for you guys that are not doubting, I would like you to make disciples of all nations because I want, what I want is disciples like you. I don't want disciples like them. So he could have split this out with the type of disciple that he really wanted, which of course is the non-doubter, right? So what might have been the outcome if he would have done that? How might that impact people? Let's think of, the, of you guys over here. How might you be impacted? You'd have to have a certain amount of confidence that didn't qualify as doubt before you're allowed to obey. Emotionally, how do you think that would affect this group? I feel rejected. You feel rejected. I'm sorry. I still like you. <laughs> how does it affect you guys realizing that you made the cut? I got this. I got this thing. This is really all about me. Jesus, Jesus sees my heart and knows. I am really glad to be me. Now, but he didn't do that, right? Now these guys, these guys that are doubting, they actually walked three marathons to get to the mountain. I guess they walked. They probably didn't have an airplane or a motorbike. So, so actually, they have already exhibited some obedience here, right? That Jesus had a precondition. That they couldn't actually get the instructions without obedience. Okay, so now we're all back together. Um, and... Jesus is going to send out disciples to make disciples. Now, if he sends out doubting disciples, what kind of disciples is he going to get? What's that? He's just going to get more doubting disciples, isn't he?
It sounds to me like you're trying to say... <laughs> it sounds to me like you're trying to say that Jesus knows how to work with doubting disciples. And that maybe... If we were going to compare... Let, let, let's, let's set two terms against each other that are both in this passage. Let's say obedience and doubt. Which thing are you more in control of? Obedience or disobedience, right? I, I would say that we are more in control of whether we obey or disobey than we are whether on this particular day we doubt or we don't doubt. And then when it comes to obedience, I, I love the song that we had today. I can't remember the guy's name that was up here singing, but it was pretty fantastic. That, that's the one. I st <laughs> that cool guy. Uh, so, you know, the song we sang was, I command my soul to do what? To praise the Lord, to worship the Lord. It's, there's um, there's a, a sense in which I sat there and I thought about this message. I thought, there are times when I don't like the way God has ordered the universe. I, I'm just being honest, it happens to me. Where it's like, God has decided that the universe is going to be ordered like this, and I imagine to myself, if I was in, the in charge of the universe, I would do things differently. Um, and then I say something like, I command my soul to appreciate the way God has done it, despite the way I'm thinking. That I command my soul in faith to think in an obedient manner instead of just doing what comes natural, which is to doubt the goodness of God. And so I think in a lot of cases, I wonder whether, you know, there are times when I saw my children just doing what comes natural. And, it, and it's beautiful in a certain way to watch my children just do beautiful things that come naturally. And then there are other times where I watch my children, they didn't know I was watching, and they're struggling to do right, even though, even though they don't want to. And I have to say, there's another kind of beauty in that. To obey when you're not really feeling it. And I appreciate the fact that in this story, these, these, these doubting, these disciples walk three marathons and choose to worship the Lord and still have doubt that needs to be changed. I suspect that if you would have come the next day, it would have been that group doubting. Um... So, um, the authority lies with Jesus. 
the, the doubting disciples are going out to make disciples, something feels really incomplete. If Jesus is sending away disciples to go make disciples with no authority, isn't that what's happening here? Is that you have Jesus sending disciples to make disciples with no authority going with them. All authorities with Jesus. And he didn't indicate he was delegating the authority to them for the job. Oh, he's with them always. Unpack what you unpack this this idea. And so he's not really sending them away to go do this thing without authority. He's actually saying, you go, and as you go, I will be with you. In some sense, he's sending himself, isn't he? That he's sending his disciples, and as they go, he promises that he's going to go with them. And so in some very real sense, he's sending himself in, through his disciples' obedience. Is there any indication where they were supposed to go? Where are they supposed to go? All nations. You see, I believe the church in America needs help reaching America. I don't think it's more important to reach the nations than it is to reach America. But I do think that Jesus commanded us to make disciples of all nations. And this week, we've been focusing on the world reach. And so, my sense is that probably, for each one of us, there is a percentage probability. You've got to remember, I'm an engineer. I can't stay away from that. There's, there's, there's a percentage probability somewhere between 0.01% and 99.9% that that each of us is being asked by Jesus to move to one of these places where there are no Christians and to live amongst them so that you can learn their language and culture so that you can show them what it looks like to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, to, to as I would say, listen, obey, and love Jesus. And, and in that process, to make disciples where, where people are going to live and die without ever hearing. Though there are many of those places in the world still. And so the, the first thing I want to do here is uh, to challenge you with the thought 
that there is a percentage probability for each of you. And, it, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to ask you to choose 1 to 99%, rounded off to the nearest number. And I, each person, I'm going to give you now um, 20 seconds to come up with your number. Personally, the percentage likelihood that God is asking me to move to some other place and learn some other language for the sake of making disciples where people otherwise might not hear. Within five years, I'm in God is intending for me to move to such a situation. And I'm going to ask you to just before God, to the best of your ability, come up with a number. One to 99%. I'm not, I, I just want to give you a chance to stop and think what that number is. Percentage likelihood. So, Lord God, amen. And uh, we want to be the kind of people that listen, obey, and love. And the step number one here is listening to you and asking you, give us an impression, as far as we can tell, what the percentage likelihood you have this for us is in these next five years in Jesus' name. All right, now, I can tell you from personal experience that if you actually go down this path of moving somewhere else to learn another language and culture for the sake of demonstrating the good, being an eyewitness about the goodness of Jesus where he's not known, that the rest of your life is going to be totally different than if you don't do that. So if you do that, it will change you forever. You will, this person that's sitting here today will be forever changed. Um, there, are, there are things that happen in that process that change your heart. So if you, if you go for three years, you will be changed. So if the probability of that is more than 10%, I think it's important that you really think about what is the next step in discerning. And so I've got a suggestion, which is 12 hours, that if there's a 10% chance that God is calling you to move somewhere in response to this command that Jesus gave of making disciples of all nations, if God's calling, if there's a 10% chance that God is leading you to move somewhere and learn a new language for the sake of demonstrating the goodness of Jesus to people that otherwise die without hearing, I'm going to suggest that you should spend 12 hours on discernment. And I'm going to suggest specifically over the next 12 weeks. So 12 hours over the next 12 weeks, and I have a specific assignment I'm going to suggest. It's writing your first newsletter.
So Robin and I, we, three years before we went, when we sort of had the impression that this is where God's leading, we wrote our first newsletter and I think we sent it to something like five people. And the topic was, perhaps God is guiding us this way. It was 2003. So in, in writing your newsletter, I'm suggesting it's one page and one page only. Don't let yourself get overwhelmed. So it's one page and it should be at least half pictures. Good proper missionary newsletter. And, and the three articles uh, would be one from you, giving your impressions about what you know and what you don't know. And don't come out and say, God's calling me to go, unless you're sure. Be honest about your uncertainties. The second one would be covering something about what your pastor had to say when you talk to him about it. Because you guys all should have somebody that you think of like in spiritual authority over you as a pastor or something like that. So go talk to them. So a part of the 12 hours is to talk to, talk to that person and tell them, this is where God is sort of leading my heart. This is what I'm thinking. And, and to record how that conversation went. So that's your second article. And then your third one, I'm suggesting you should talk to a friend and somebody you respect. So talk to three people, write a newsletter, and send it out there, being honest about the possibility that God is calling you this way. So here's my thought. If you've got a 10% chance that it's you, I think you should commit 12 hours over the next 12 weeks. And I think you should be bold. So, now, I'm actually going to ask you to stand up. If, not everybody, <laughs> if you're going to spend the 12 hours, so your friends around you are going to see and expect your newsletter, uh, there are mission reps in the room that are, that are liable to ask you a question. But I think there's something in being willing to say, I'm ready to commit to 12 hours of discernment about what God is saying. So now, we're going to pray for you while you're standing if you do. And so, that's just the reality. But if you want to commit to 12 hours worth of discernment, now stand up. The rest of us will pray for you guys. Don't put your hands out. So that everyone else that's not standing, let's put our hands out. Amen. Father, we thank you for our bold friends. And in what looks like a response of obedience, they've decided to commit to spending 12 hours in discernment and to writing their first newsletter. We pray, Father, that you would bless them and give them clarity and the right connections. Father, use this moment in their life 
to guide them. In the name of Jesus, we pray. I'd love to be on that newsletter distribution list if you allow. Go in peace.